Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. Welcome to another segment of The Art of Living. Advice, explanations, guidance, and wisdom taken from the letters, communiques written by the Rebbe. Here's a letter from Lekute Siches, in which the Rebbe describes the chain of events or the chain of worlds in a fascinating way. The balance of good and evil, of godly and ungodly in the world, is a continuum. It's a chain. It doesn't happen suddenly, and it doesn't happen in only one area or one fragment of the world, but it evolves or devolves from a higher level to the lower level. Listen to what the Rebbe writes. Since the worlds exist in a chain of worlds, in a chain of levels, we therefore find those things that we discover at a lower level, we find them, if we trace it backwards, on higher levels as well. There are those who claim that since God wants service of the heart, God wants us to serve him with heart, and since this person who is making the argument says, since I have a Jewish heart, and in my heart I am very Jewish, that is sufficient, that is enough, and I don't have to fulfill all the commandments. This argument, of course, is faulty. But where does the argument come from? It comes from the fact that on a higher level, there is a similar argument made. On a more subtle level, there's the argument that since Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is the special time of the year, that's when a person has to be expressive and practical in their observance of Jewish life and Jewish law. But the rest of the year is not so important. This argument itself also devolves from a more subtle, from a higher argument that is similar. And this argument is that there is Shabbos and there is Yom Tov, and on these days you have to do something special. You have to get involved with Torah and the service of God, of davening, of going to the shul. But the rest of the week is weekday. And you're supposed to be out making a living. And you're supposed to do that with all your abilities, to the best of your abilities. And that precludes thinking about mitzvahs and about Torah. Now, this argument itself also devolves from a higher argument. And that is that it is true, although it is true, that even during the weekdays, there has to be some moment set aside for the study of Torah and for the daily prayers. But that certainly is sufficient and enough that there are certain hours of the weekday devoted to Yiddishkeit, but the rest of the time is separate and distinct from Judaism. It is simply a time of business and of work and of study and human affairs. 
This argument also devolves from a higher level. And that is, the people who say that it is enough to do the mitzvah and to study the commandments, the practical instruction on how to do the mitzvah, this is understandable and practical. But when it comes to the more esoteric parts of Torah, to the more spiritual parts of Torah, that which the mind doesn't find practical and tangible, this is too high, this is hidden matters, and we don't involve ourselves in that. This is where it all begins. When we start to distinguish and to separate the revealed part of Torah from the inner part of Torah, claiming that the inner part of Torah is higher and separate or independent of the revealed part of Torah by creating this rift in Torah itself, this division in holiness, this is the beginning of the descent of the lower arguments that eventually ends up saying that as long as I'm a Jew in my heart, I need not participate in Jewish activity. And so we have the separation of the revealed part of Torah from the inner part of Torah, which leads to the separation of the time in which we devote to Torah and the time that we devote to our own affairs. And here the argument is that the higher, more noble, more godly activity is higher and therefore removed from the ordinary life, from the times that we're involved in business, and so it is inappropriate to the everyday. And then we also separate days. We say Shabbos and Yom Tov. These are special days, and there's a holiness to them. But holiness does not belong in weekdays. And then further, we separate the unusual, exceptional days of the year, not of the week, but of the year, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And we say those are times for spiritual activity, but spirituality does not belong in the rest of the year until we separate our heart from our lives. The heart should be Jewish, but life is not. Now, although there is truth to all of these arguments, there's a kernel of truth, because it is true that God wants us to serve with the heart, and it is true that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are more spiritual, are holier than the rest of the year. This is when God is more available and God is closer to us than the rest of the year. And it is also true that Shabbos and Yom Tov are holier than the weekdays because on Shabbos, the name Elohim the name of God that creates is resting. And we go up to the higher level of the higher name of God. And it is also true that when a Jew is involved in the study of Torah and in davening, then at that moment he is higher than the rest of the world because then he becomes a vehicle for godliness. As it says in Tanya, that the hand distributing charity for the duration of the mitzvah becomes the chariot, the vehicle of godliness in this world. And it is also true that the inner part of Torah, 
the more spiritual part of Torah, is higher than the revealed part of Torah. And that's because the inner part of Torah, the Kabbalah, the Hasidus, is not clothed in such physical things as are the revealed part of Torah. So although there is a kernel of truth in all of the arguments, but the conclusion is erroneous. Because it does not mean that the higher level should exist separated and severed from the lower levels. The whole point of Aveda, the whole point of serving God, means connecting the higher with the lower, connecting the inner part of Torah with the revealed, connecting the study of Torah and davening with your activities and with your business, connecting Shabbos and Yom Tov to the weekdays, connecting the high holy days with all the days of the year. This is the essence of Judaism, bringing it all into our daily lives. When the Rebbe sets things out so clearly and uh, shows us the chain of events, it seems so simple, it seems so obvious, and yet it takes a person on the level of the Rebbe's genius and the Rebbe's insight and the Rebbe's holiness to, to present it to us in such a clear fashion, and then we ask ourselves, well, why didn't I think of that? That's so obvious, that's so clear, and it's so fundamental as well. Here's another very fundamental letter, a letter of fundamental importance and wisdom. There's an organization called the Lubavitch Youth Organization that uh, held a meeting at its founding And in connection to that meeting, they asked the Rebbe for instruction or for guidance as to what is the purpose and what is the function of this organization, the Lubavitch Youth Organization. The Rebbe writes as follows. I was pleased to receive your letter with the minutes of your first meeting, which took place immediately after the Fabrengen of Shabbos Mavarchim. You immediately began to discuss the importance of such an organization, Lubavitch Youth, in keeping with the instruction of our Rebbe. The importance or the significance of such a meeting is that it should bring practical results in actual deed. As is also understood and obvious from different aspects of Torah, that there shouldn't be any break or interruption between the inspiration for an act or for a deed to the deed itself. We see this, for example, from Pesach, where we have the mitzvah of searching the house for the leaven, for the chametz. We make a bracha, and then we go to search the house. And we are not permitted, we're not allowed to interrupt or to make a a break between the bracha that is made and the actual search. The bracha being the intention and the inspiration, drawing godliness from above, and the act itself is the searching. So we see that there should be no break between the inspirational part and the actual deed. Concerning your question as to what is the purpose and the basis of this organization, 
I'm surprised that you ask such a question, since it's already been spelled out in many Fabrengans and many talks, and particularly since a similar organization was already established and is already functioning for a number of years in Israel, and you can learn from them, at least from what they've done correctly and from where they've succeeded. Yet, you asked for my comments, so I will offer at least a few points. Briefly, our service as creatures, creations of God, generally speaking, is the function of conquest, to conquer the world. And as the Mishnah says, I was created to serve my master, and the service consists of fixing the world, which is the purpose for which the world was created in the first place, and that is that God desires a dwelling place in the lower world. We therefore need to conquer the lowliness of the world. And this means the world in general and the microcosm, the little world, which is each individual. That they should all become worthy and proper to be a dwelling place for God himself. This means that our work is divided into two parts, working with others and working with ourselves. This can further be divided, working with others on an external level and working with others on an internal level. And also the internal part of ourselves and the external part of ourselves. And this means the essence and the internal condition of the person. As a Hasidic group, as Chabad Hasidim, our inner work concerning the study of Hasidus, the strengthening and the broadening of classes in the study of Hasidus, also the practices of Hasidus, the customs of Hasidus, all of these should be done with enthusiasm and with energy. This is in addition to strengthening and broadening the classes or the lessons of all other parts of Torah and the fulfillment of all of the mitzvahs. This is for oneself. The same applies also in working with others, that concerning the revealed part of others, the external part, we have to influence others to study Torah and to fulfill mitzvahs, and concerning their internal experience, their internal selves, to inform them and to explain to them thoroughly, to place before them the subject of Hasidus, the teachings of Hasidus, and its customs. And to tell them that in our times, this mitzvah, the mitzvah of studying Hasidus, has been revealed to us, and every Jew is obligated to participate in it. And only in this way can we be taken out of Gullus in kindness and in compassion. Until the fulfillment of the prophecy, of the prediction that there will come a time when kulam yedu esi, that 
all beings, all people, will know me, God says, from the smallest to the greatest. That there will come a time when the knowledge of God, which is Hasidus, will become available to everyone. And then after that, God's presence or God's spirit will exist in everyone. As the prophet says, it is also well known that all of the above activities must be carried out with a spirit of Ahavas Yisrael, based on the love of a fellow Jew. And therefore, we have to make a special effort to reach every individual Jew, regardless of what their present condition might be. For certainly, whatever it is, it will be improved in the future. And as our Creator who created us all guarantees that no Jew will ever be lost. This is also based on the love of God. And therefore, we have to bring every Jew to love God, which includes also the fear of God. This is also based on the love of Torah. And therefore, we have to imbue everyone with a love and a desire for the study of Torah wherever they may be. Concerning working with others, influencing others, it's important to note that reviewing a Hasidic teaching in a shul and finding connections, creating relationships with students of the yeshivas and to study Torah with them, to study Hasidus with them in particular, so that there are relationships and friendships between students of our yeshivas and students of other yeshivas after they have left the yeshiva and sharing Hasidic writings and Hasidic books that have been published recently, the teachings of our rebbe's of the past and so on, all of this is essential. Many of these activities have already begun in various manners and various ways uh, through Hasidim, and it is up to your organization to help them and to strengthen them in all of these activities, both in quantity and in quality, that they should all be in an orderly and organized fashion, because then the success will be greater. A sign of life on every level of life is growth and development, including internal life, internal growth, so that we should see a growing and an expansion and an increase in all of these activities without needing constant inspiration or intervention. And so it is with your work and with your activities, the work itself should bring greater growth, greater enthusiasm with new activities and so on. And from time to time, you should be inspired by the work itself to greater efforts and to new activities. It goes without saying that in truth, and as mentioned at the beginning of the letter, 
this is not limited to any particular organization. This is actually the purpose of every person. And as the Alter Rebbe says, that Hasidus is the property and the inheritance of every Jew, man and woman. And from time to time, this awareness is becoming more widespread. And as the, uh, the story in, in the Gemara is that as we get closer to Mashiach, even the uh, average person in the street will appreciate profound wisdom, meaning knowledge of God. Until finally, kulam yedu eisi, everyone will know me, God says. It's just that there are those who are merited to experience this a little bit sooner, and they're already involved in the study of Hasidus, which is the inner part of Torah and its customs. And on them particularly lies the responsibility to prepare the hearts and to spread the wellsprings among all Jews until it reaches to the outside. And those who were also given talent and energy in this area and their abilities and activities and organizational things is not that great. Hine, Rebbe says, lefum gamlo shichna. Each person is given a burden according to his ability to carry. The expression of the Gemara is, according to the camel is its load. A stronger camel is given a bigger load. And therefore, as your abilities are greater, you will be given a greater responsibility but it's all according to your capacity. And therefore, the young, the youth, who have two virtues, two things going for them, one is they have more energy and strength, and they're not so committed and involved in worldly things, they're not supporting a family and so on, they should take the heaviest burden, the biggest part of the responsibility in all of these activities. Of course, this should be with instruction and advice from the elders. And we are guaranteed by a, an assurance from above that all the devotion that the previous Rebbe's invested in establishing and in teaching Hasidus, beginning with the Alter Rebbe, we are guaranteed that in their merit, all our efforts in the spreading of fear of heaven and good quality traits and the study of Hasidus, that we will succeed. In this letter, the Rebbe lays out very clearly what a Chabad or Lubavitch organization is all about. And there are so many details here that need to be studied and pondered. The Rebbe calls on youth, the Rebbe once uh, remarked to an Israeli general or Israeli politician that it's time to let the young people take over. And although they may make mistakes because of their youth and inexperience, but their enthusiasm and their energy far makes up for it, far outweighs it. And the Rebbe said, for example, my army is made up only of young people, and it's working. 
So using, harnessing the energy of youth is one of the approaches unique to Lubavitch. In most traditional communities, the elders are the leaders, are the ones held responsible for, for the growth and the development of the movement. But the Rebbe changed that and put it all into the hands of the young. What are the fundamental principles guiding all of these activities? The objective is the conquest of the world, nothing less. In our times, we see this most clearly. There are no regional or local problems in the world. The problems are very clearly global. There are global issues of right and wrong that are not limited to any particular region or to any particular group of people. There are fundamental principles of godliness that must apply everywhere. And in that way, the world can become a universe rather than a fractured, tortured planet. And so the fundamental guiding objective is conquest. It says right in the beginning of, of creation, God said to human beings, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and conquer it. Of course, we can conquer the world scientifically, technologically. We can master space travel. We can rearrange the genetic makeup of an animal or of a human being. But that is not the only conquest or not even the most important conquest on the agenda. The most important conquest is that the world is a lowly world, and in this lowly world, God wants to have a personal dwelling, a home. And in order for that to happen, the lowliness must be conquered. The world cannot be low. It must be refined. It must be elevated to be worthy, to be appropriate as a divine dwelling as a home for God. That's the conquest that every person, everyone is responsible for, each in their own way. And according to the camel is the load. If you have more talent and more influence, your responsibility increases. But everyone has some influence. Everyone has some talent. And in their own circle, in their own place, in their own environment, even in their own heart and mind, they can elevate the lowliness and make it a dwelling place for God. And so there's an internal process. You must elevate yourself, and then there is the ability to elevate others and the world around us that becomes our extended responsibility. And in that, there are three guiding principles. The love of your fellow Jew, the love of God, and the love of Torah. Because of the love of a fellow Jew, we do not discriminate. All Jews, any Jew, every Jew, is equally valuable and equally precious, and regardless of what condition he may be in today, tomorrow will be better, because no Jew will be left behind. Because of our love for God, it is not enough to teach the people we love how to behave properly, to make their lives more discipline to make their lives more fulfilling, we have to actually bring them to the love of God. Because part of loving God is the desire to have others love Him as well. 
When you love someone, you want everyone to love them. And then there's the love of Torah. And therefore, it is not enough to instruct people in their behavior and to give them good habits, but you also need to make them wise in Torah. Share your knowledge. That's a very Jewish principle. It is un-Jewish. It's also immoral to uh, limit accessibility to knowledge. Uh, All evil movements have that practice. They keep information from the people. Love of Torah means you want everyone to enjoy the study, the knowledge of Torah, and whatever you know, you want to share with others. This is a very clear blueprint for what a Chabad organization is all about. And the end goal is that we are preparing the world for the fulfillment of that prophecy, that in the end of time, everyone will know God. God will be known, God will be recognized by all.